Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hello, this is Robert Smile coming to you today with Canada's podcast, where we talk to entrepreneurs who are making it here happen here in British Columbia, Canada. As co-founder of Vancouver-based real estate software company Spark, Simeon Garrett has been responsible for landing some of Spark's top real estate clients in North America. Years of living abroad in Asia and building his experience in the real estate industry fueled his ultimate vision to transform and streamline how new developments are managed and sold. With an extensive background in selling and marketing property, Simon has been involved in the sales of over 1,000 homes internationally, which helped bring Spark into more than 80 cities worldwide. Well, Simeon, welcome to Canada's podcast. Thanks for taking the time today to be here for all our listeners. Of course. Thanks for having me. Okay, let's get started here. I want you to tell us a little bit more about yourself. Are you from Vancouver, British Columbia? And give us the details on your current business. Sure. Yeah, no, uh, I was actually born in Toronto. Um, but when I was about six months old, I actually moved to Asia because my family was living and working there. So they flew back to Toronto had me as a kid and then moved back to Asia, essentially to China, um, where I spent the next 16 years of my life, essentially. So I spent most of my life in mainland China, Hong Kong. And then for high school, I actually went to Malaysia. I was in a boarding school in a city called Penang. Um, do, you speak so was, do you speak Cantonese or Mandarin? When I was really young, I spoke Cantonese because I was in sort of junior, senior kindergarten in Hong Kong. And then I moved up to Northern China, where I pretty much transitioned almost completely to Mandarin. Yeah. Oh, so you can speak both. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. That's got to that's got to help in Vancouver, huh? I mean, that's kind of how I got into into all of this. Is I, I was living and working in China um, after university, and I moved to Vancouver, and I fell into real estate essentially because I was a white guy that spoke Mandarin and Cantonese. Right. And all the buyers at that point were, you know, flying over from Asia and trying to buy property here, and it was just a really easy transition. Um, not something I had planned. It just kind of what I what I fell into, and I happened to be decently good at it. Hey, if you got the skill set, use it. Absolutely. Exactly. Okay, so tell us about Spark. Yeah, so Spark, Spark kind of came about through that whole journey of me working with a number of, of big developers and helping them sell and market projects from North America into Asia. And it really came out of a frustration that I had with the industry itself, which you know it was Excel spreadsheets, old legacy agnostic platforms, all things that I was using day to day in my job. Um, and eventually I just got sick of, well, really I got sick of traveling that much first, you know, I was on a plane once every four weeks for about two and a half years. And I just kind of came to this realization after meeting a group of guys that worked in tech that I had some expertise in this market. And I think I have an idea that could work. Um, and I, and I knew some of the initial clients that I think I could sell it to. And so really what spark came out of was, um, the ability to, to streamline, like, like you said earlier, the sales, marketing, and management of new development projects. So we, we work with developers and project marketing firms, essentially taking their, digitizing their process all the way from the early conception of a project. So when leads are registering on a website, managing that relationship all the way through to the, you know, all the communication, the allocations of units, the purchase and sale, the digital document signatures, um, the disclosures, all the reporting, and then the completion of those units. So we, we essentially live as the backend infrastructure for developers and project marketing firms. Okay. Did you need financing to start this company? And how do you currently make money in the business now? Yeah. So I, when I, I mean, when I started Spark, I was quite young and a little bit naive and I didn't know anything about 
venture capital seed round financing. I didn't even know people raised money for companies. Uh, I just kind of started it as a, as a business, um, which, you know, now seems like a, a strange way to do something, but we didn't, we didn't raise money for the first couple of years. Cause I didn't, I never even thought about it. Um, you know, we, we'd put some money away in the early days and we were essentially self-funded um, for the first couple of years. And through that, we ended up getting into an accelerator program called Grow Lab that essentially, you know, after about a year and a half of graduating from that, we got a, our first basically line of credit from BDC for $150,000. And that was really what took the business from being a sort of idea into actually, you know, being able to hire our first employees, sort of, you know, being able to move out of my apartment, which was nice. Um, and then transitioning now into, you know, what is you know, a much larger company than it, than it was yeah. at that point. Yeah. Okay. You are you are in an absolutely great market for real estate. Obviously, Vancouver is growing, and it is uh, a that's basically a big part of uh, the uh, industry. There is uh, real estate. I want you to give me a key piece of knowledge or information about your industry that our listeners can learn from. Yeah, I think so. There's there's really there, there's a lot of information obviously out there that is not disclosed to the general public. I think in new developments, you know, it's not like you can go and tour a house. These are being, these are, you know, homes that are being sold off of a piece of paper and a PDF. So it's not quite as transparent, I think, as a lot of other real estate industries. And I'd say the, the most interesting thing probably that I've seen is that, you know, the best time to buy a unit is either to be the very, very first buyer or to be the very last buyer in, in the most case. In most cases, mainly because people, you know, developers have to hit construction financing. And so the early sales are really, really important. So they're usually going to be a little bit more aggressive to get those sales quickly so they can get their construction financing. And then at the very, very end, they just want to close the project out. So in the middle is kind of where you end up getting probably I'm not saying you're going to get a bad deal. Most of these deals are still really, really good. Um, but the best pricing you're going to get is going to be at the very beginning or maybe the very end of a project from what I've traditionally seen. Okay, good. What is the long-term vision and what will your company look like in the future? Do you see the company expanding into other areas and where beyond Vancouver, BC, or even Canada? Yeah. I mean, so we, we currently work in about, in about 80 cities in North America. Um, we've actually recently started to pick up clients internationally. We just signed some clients in Panama. Um, we signed some clients in Costa Rica. We have clients in Dubai. Um, we have some clients coming on from New Zealand. So it's starting to branch out more organically. Um, but the, I mean, the goal for us really is to be the number one player in new development software. So that, that's been our goal, not just in North America, but, but globally. And so we're kind of building the infrastructure um, and, and a platform that really can speak to all of those, those different markets. Okay, let's talk a little bit about Vancouver and doing business there. What are the biggest benefits for you being an entrepreneur in Vancouver, BC? I want you to give us some of the good points about starting a company here, but I also want you to give, give us some of the tough things or challenges you've had over the years so our listeners can learn from them. Yeah, so I think, you know, Spark's been around for almost 10 years now. And this is, that was kind of before the Vancouver tech scene really started to take off and it kind of transitioned through the Vancouver tech scene really becoming, you know, quite prominent in, in, in Canada. In, in the early days, it was very, very hard to raise capital in Vancouver. So when we actually were trying to raise money, <clears throat> there was a lot of small check writers and not a lot of deals that actually got done. So it took, you know, I probably did 500 pitches, you know, to raise our first million bucks, which really is, is, a, is a ton, isn't it? More than I would ever, ever do now at, at this point. And so I think in the early days, it was just a very, it was just a very immature market as far as the tech world world went, even though it was a very strong real estate market, which gave us a decent advantage. It was hard for us to raise money. Um, and that was kind of a challenge, but I think the benefit 
um, of Vancouver also on the flip side is that you have people are in Vancouver because they want to be here, right? It's not because they have to be here. It's because they, you know, they come from Toronto, they moved to Vancouver because they like the mountains, they want to ski, they want to be on the water, they like the weather. So you end up getting a lot of interesting talent that in some cases is a lot cheaper and, you know, or, you know, it's easier to acquire good talent in Vancouver, at least historically, than it was in, in places like Toronto or New York or, or Seattle or places like that. Just because people, you know, people are willing to take the cut because they actually want to be in the city. And I think those are, that was, that was what I found in the early days. And we've, you know, we have some of our best employees that have been here, you know, 99% of the people that work for Spark live and work in Vancouver. And so we're a, we're a pretty much 100% Vancouver based company. So it's easy to draw people in saying, Hey, do you want to work and live in Vancouver? Uh, it's a great opportunity. And usually the answer is yes. Yeah. I mean, based, yeah on, especially, based on lifestyle. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a total lifestyle city. You know, and I think it also lends itself to a good work-life balance, right? People here do are generally, I think, a little bit happier. You know, maybe they're not working the 18-hour days, but I think when they are working, they're more productive and they're also able to do a lot of extra, you know, extracurricular outside of work stuff that that keeps them sharp and, you know, keeps people in shape and the health of people is better generally. And I think the mindset for most, for the most part um, is, is really positive here. Good. Okay, Simeon, you've been doing this for 10 years now. You've learned a lot. You've been through the ups. You've been through the downs. You've seen a lot. But I want you to go back to the beginning. If you were to start all over again and you just moved here to Vancouver, BC, but this time you don't know anyone, knowing what you know now, what would you do and how would you go about starting all over again as an entrepreneur? So would you do anything differently? Would you do the exact same thing? Was there things you felt, gee, I wouldn't make this mistake again? Um, I do this differently. Anything like that that stands out? Yeah, I mean, there's. I, I actually did a. I did a talk not too long ago, and people were saying, you know, if you change, basically the same question, you know, what would you change, or what would you do, or what's your advice for, for people coming into this? And I think really looking back, I would have saved myself a lot of headaches if I had figured out how to pay taxes properly for a company. And that was, a, I think, that was a really big thing that I didn't know when I, you know, when I started Spark, we didn't know it was kind of like the wild, wild west. You know, I didn't know how to set up a GST account. I didn't know how to file taxes properly. And it kind of got us into a, an interesting point at, at, you know, in our early days, because we kind of were just running off of an idea of a business. Um, and so, you know, I would have, I would have structured those types of things, obviously a little bit better um, yeah. because it would have saved, it would have saved us a, a lot of headache in the, you know, in, in the future, but, you know, but generally I really can't, I really can't complain. I mean, I got really lucky with a super solid team. Four out of the five people that I started with are still at the company. Um, and, you know, they're kind of the foundation. And I really, I think I, I came out of that, you know, really, really lucky at the very beginning. Okay, let's talk about your routine. Entrepreneurs are very routine oriented. What does the first hour look like for you when you get up in the morning? Do you have a specific routine or a ritual that helps you get motivated to start your day? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really not a morning person, to be honest. Um, I'm a, I'm a night worker. I'm a night thinker. I stay up late. I'd like to get, that's my quiet time. That's when I get a lot of stuff done. The morning for me, as like, I really have usually my first hour of my day is just blank. I, I don't really check my email. Usually first thing in the morning, I have a coffee. I take my dog for a walk. I kind of clear my head. It's not really, you know, I don't really turn on my brain till probably at least nine 30. Um, so I think, you know, the beginning of the day for me is really just like a, it's a slow burn into getting my brain into a place where I can actually start to make some real decisions. Um, and I've just never been, I've never been a morning person. So I'm almost the opposite. You know, the last hour of my day is probably my most productive where I do my reading. I do my research. I watch, you know, updates and, and on the market, I look at architecture that that's kind of what I'm really diving into a lot of the, 
you know, things that I think a lot of people might do is their first thing to kind of get their, get their day going. Plus you're in a global business, right? So you're, are you taking calls late at night as well? Is it, or you just have a cutoff? I mean, do you have a, a, a little bit of both? Yeah. 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 I mean, we are, we have, we have clients that are kind of all over the place. I'm not really answering a lot of those calls, but I'm getting emails. I like to respond to emails that, you know, whenever I get them, usually as soon as possible. And so I'm, Again, if I get an email at one in the morning and it's something important, I'm going to answer it and I'm going to respond to it because my brain is kind of on them. Um, yeah. Okay. Do you think entrepreneurs have to be weird or unique in a positive way or are wired differently? I think, I think yes and no. I think where, you know, my definition for entrepreneur is, is probably different than I think what the general entrepreneurial term. I mean, if, if you had asked me if I was an entrepreneur when I first started Spark, I would have said no. Cause I didn't even really know what that word meant. Um, I was just a guy with an idea that started a business. And I think there's a separation between being an entrepreneur and, and having a business. I would say now I've become much more of an entrepreneur in the way that I think. Um, but I don't, I don't think you necessarily have to be weird or, or quirky. I think I've, most of my friends group, you know, have their own companies or run their own companies. And yeah, some of them are a bit weird and some of them are just pretty normal, normal guys. Um, but I think if you think about trying to become an entrepreneur, that's where it becomes really hard to be an entrepreneur. You know, I think those things just have to fall into place naturally. And I think it has to be something that you generally associate with and you're passionate about that you are specifically, you know, have a, have a real good way to try to solve that problem um, instead of trying to create a problem that you then try to solve. Okay. Entrepreneurs love to read and learn and educate themselves. What books are you reading now and why, or even audiobooks, podcasts? Can you recommend any books for our listeners who are also entrepreneurs? Um, definitely. Uh, I'm a big, I'm a big audiobook for sure. So I like to listen to books while I walk my dog. That's really what I do on the way to the office. I listen to audiobooks on the way home. I, I do the same thing. Um, I'm a big autobiography fan. So I love reading about real life stories of real people. Um, right now, Ticket to Ride, Story of Disney, um, huge one that I really actually just, I just finished that, but it, it's phenomenal. Um, Barry Schwartzman's story from, uh, Blackstone is, 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 a, is another one that I really, really enjoyed recently. Um, one that's a little bit more off the cuff that I started, which is kind of not really in line with that is called, uh, The Economy of Misfits, which is really a way to look through an entrepreneurial lens from non-traditional industries like the mob or pirates or things like that. And so that's one that I actually found kind of interesting recently. And then my mom actually um, gave me that book for Christmas. So only non-audiobook that I have. I could recommend for you Shoe Dog, Phil Knight. Have you read that one? Oh, I've read Shoe Dog. Awesome. Yeah. 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 That's one I really like. Yeah. And any online or offline tools you use on a daily basis? I mean, Slack. Is a huge one. I mean, my entire company essentially is run through Slack, all of our messages, all of our history, all of that stuff. I mean, it's probably one of the the big pieces that I use. I mean, as far as just the app ecosystem of Apple, for sure, is really big for me. Everything from mail to the text messaging to FaceTime, um, that is, that's a huge one that I use. But I, I don't really use a ton of apps. I'm not like a, you know, I use the general notes app and things like that, but I, I don't have, you know, a bunch of these like quirky, funky little things like, like a lot of my friends use. I'm just, it's not really how my brain works. Okay. We, you touched on this earlier, um, Vancouver, British Columbia being a lifestyle city. How do you balance work and how do you relax and not think about work? Do you ski, bike, kayak, golf, hike, or something go for a drive? Um, in the summer, I bike a lot. So I have a Peloton and I actually just kind of got pretty into the Peloton worlds. Um, you know, which is kind of addicting in a good and a bad way. 
Um, I definitely ski as much as I can. So I try to get up on the mountain, um, you know, being in BC, you know, some of the best skiing in the world is, you know, within an hour and a half of, of Vancouver. So I definitely try to get up as, as much as I can there. And then, you know, I also play soccer and I play tennis. So obviously, you know, when it's raining, it's not as ideal, but those are, those are two things I definitely, you know, spend quite a bit of time doing in the summer. Okay. If you weren't doing what you do now, what would you like to do for a profession? Um, I would like to build, run and manage hotels. Okay. That's always been my, that's always been the thing that I, you know, I think one day when I, you know, if, if spark sells or I, I somehow come across a, a huge chunk of a chunk of cash, I'd love to build my own hotel at some point um, and run it. I love the hospitality. I love the food and beverage world. Um, I love travel and I like that experience of creating, you know, relationships with people through, through a business like that. You're a people person, an extrovert. Would you sort say? Of. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think I I, I am and I am an, and I'm not. I'm I'm, a, I'm an extrovert as long as I have enough time for myself um, yeah. to be alone. I'm not. A, I can't be out all the time and seeing people all the time. I need that time to just like decompress and download. Um, but yeah, I'm for the most part, I'd say I'm definitely more on the extroverted side. What kind of job would you not like to do? Couldn't do it. Oh. I mean, there's, there's probably a lot that I, that I wouldn't want to do. Um, I would not want to be a flight attendant because I think I would just have huge anxiety about not being able to enjoy the places and getting to go to them all without being able mm -hmm. to actually be there. I think that's probably one that I definitely would not, not want to do. Okay. In business, what is your favorite word, quote, or sentence that you like to use? Is there anything that you use a lot <laughs> with your employees or clients? Um, I'm not like a huge quotes, quotes person. I mean, I, I only really have a couple of quotes that I, that I use. And a lot of times with my family, one that I really resonated that I've always used since I was a kid is actually a saying from Mao Zedong in China. Um, and it's when approaching a tiger, use a long stick, which, you know, you can interpret that in a lot of different ways. And I've definitely used it in a lot of different ways. And I, I actually kind of find it more of like a, a funny approach to quote. It's not something serious. It's not something inspiring, but I, it's kind of, one of those sayings that I use when I when I'm a little bit unsure about a, a problem or or something that I'm trying to figure out, um, and I don't know. I always found a lot of the the writings of Mao to be pretty interesting. Okay, what's your least favorite word or sentence you do not like to hear? Um, anything with the word synergy in it. <laughs> Probably my, my most hated my most hated word in the world. I hate okay. it. Yeah. If you had to pick one or two words to describe yourself, what would it be and why? Um, I would say particular is definitely a way I would describe myself. I, I really like the things that I like. Um, you know, it doesn't mean they have to be fancy or cheap or interesting or not. I'm, I'm just a, a very particular person in what I, you know, what I like to eat, where I like to go, how I like certain things done. Um, and then I'd also say probably passionate. Um, if I like something, I'm very much all into it. And I will put all of my time and effort and, and brain power into understanding it better. Um, so I'd say those are probably two, and they both start with P, I guess. But those, those would be my two words that I, I'd say probably describe me pretty well. Anything keeping you up at night these days? Does business go to bed with you or you just drop it and worry about it in the morning? You, are you getting up in the morning, writing on a journal? Anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a pretty low low stress person. Um, I mean, I grew up moving around a ton when I was a kid. You know, being thrown into all sorts of situations, and I I don't carry a lot of stress generally. And so I'm not. I you know I don't really get 
you know, that type of anxiety going to bed or, or holding things with me. I really like, you know, sleep is sleep. When I'm tired, I pass out, I wake up, it's a new day. I don't, I don't tend to draw those things with, you know, unless sure, if we're going through a big financing or something, of course, you know, I'm going to be thinking about that, but generally speaking across the board, um, I, I don't really get kept up at night by, you know, work related things. Okay. Do you have any advice that you may have received that you can pass on to entrepreneurs throughout Canada? Has anyone ever told you anything or said anything that kind of resonated with you that said, I think that's some really good advice, maybe more than one? Yeah. I mean, probably a couple of things. I, I think one thing that I've, that I've had that I've seen to be true that I never believed when I was, you know, in the earlier days is that, you know, everything is going to take three times as long and cost twice as much. One of, one of my mentors in the very beginning, um, a guy named Mark actually told me that, and it has proven to basically be, you know, true, if not, you know, even on the lighter side, um, you know, if you think something's going to get done, times it by three, when it's going to get done, you think it's going to cost as much times that by two and always plan for that because that's just, that's just the way the world works. You know, nothing happens as easy as you think. And you kind of got to be, you kind of got to be ready for that. And that's one thing that I've, that I've always kind of, yeah, I hate it because I, I don't like things being pushed. I, I don't like it when, you know, timelines aren't hit um, and I don't like things going over a budget, but it's just kind of the reality of, of, you know, the world of being in any sort of startup or, or entrepreneurial organization and stuff just takes a lot longer than, than you think. Yeah. Um, and the, the other thing is, uh, if, I, if, I can, if I give you one more, I think, yeah. you know, make sure that people are the core of whatever you're doing and, you know, working with a good group of people is, is the difference between a successful company and just a great idea. And I think that, you know, making sure that you build and you care and you understand the needs and wants of the people around you and making sure they understand the same thing about you and, and put a lot of effort and time into, into those relationships. Cause those are really the ones that are going to carry you. And even though you're also carrying them at the same time. So you're talking about clients, people that work with you. Um, I think across the, the board, industry, yeah. across the board, you're across so the board. you're a people person in a way that you identify the fact that we are in a business and people are the most important thing that comes along with that whole. Uh, totally. Yeah. I mean, look, Spark, Spark sells a Spark sells a pretty, you know, from a consumer perspective, a pretty boring product, right? We're not something you're going to go into the store and be like, Oh, I, that's so cool. Or that's sexy. Or I, you know, I like it. I understand it. You know, we're, we're an infrastructure CRM backend management platform, right? That's not a, that's a, that's a mouthful for anybody that, you know, half my friends don't even know what I do exactly. Um, but the way to get around that and make that interesting and, and sell it to people, you know, is, is through the relationships you can build around that with people that are in the same world. Uh, and also the people that work with you and the people that you work for as well. Do you think starting in Vancouver with its robust real estate economy gave you the rocket fuel to expand rapidly into other markets? I think, I think, in, I think from the outside, I think that's probably a true statement, but I think internally it was actually when we signed our very first big New York client was really what gave us the propulsion to go, you know, much, much faster. And Vancouver is, is a small world, but it's a very clicky world. It's a very insular world. You know, Vancouver doesn't really do anything outside of Vancouver. Yeah. And, and that is good if you're in it, but if you're not in it, you're trying to break into it. It can be really, really tough because there's a lot of tight bonds and tight relationships. So, you know, working in Vancouver has been, you know, amazing, but it's also been really, really tough because being a newcomer and trying to start something in the city, you know, it's hard to get into those, into those circles. Whereas you know, the East Coast has, has proven to be a little bit more, hey, if this is a good business, let's give it a try. 
It's not, it wasn't as much about, well, who are you? Why do I trust you? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yeah, I think yes and no, it's been a phenomenal place, but also it's been, it's been really challenging. Has networking pre-pandemic, has networking been a, a, an important component to expanding your business, uh, not just in Vancouver, but globally? hundred percent. I mean, 30, 35% of all of our deals, even to this day, um, come from referral. And that okay. referral has been, you know, friends of friends or people that we've met or, you know, from conferences or events or dinners um, and keeping those relationships up. And so I think 100% networking has been a huge factor into, you know, what's helped Spark grow. Yeah. Okay. We're going to wrap things up. So, and how can our listeners get hold of you? And is there anything you'd like to add before you leave us today? Um, well, pretty easy to get a hold of me. I mean, Simeon at spark.re, and that's S-I-M-E-O-N at spark.re. Um, we also, we just launched our brand new website and did it and did a brand revamp as well. So that just came out within the last couple of days. Um, so, I mean, if I'd love to hear feedback <laughs> on the website, on the brand, I mean, we've had the same brand for, for quite a while now. And I think this was a really big internal push that, that we put out there. Um, and it was a lot, it was a huge, huge team effort for all of us to get out there. Um, and do that. So yeah, I mean, every, everything's on, on the website, spark.re. I mean, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty, we're pretty active and I'm kind of in and out of all those channels. Okay. Fabulous. Thank you for coming on the show. I've learned a lot about you and I'm sure our listeners have as well. 